Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, listeners, for joining in. It's Sunday, a rainy, rainy, awful Sunday, but it's March, and March is going out like a lion. March 30th, 2014, but it's a bright on the other side because one of my favorite spiritual travelers who has got some amazing stories about her journey that I think are totally worthy of a radio show and more, and maybe a book someday, Linda, but all the way from Nebraska, Linda King, the mystical traveler. How are you? I am good. Thanks for inviting me, Tom. It's been a while. I know, and all of a sudden today I got that uh, intuitive little gnawing, that little scratching, you know, all the way from my gut to the top of my head. You've got to get Linda on the show. It's been too long without. We were doing so well there. We we were going country by country with all of your amazing uh, stories that uh, and, um, miraculous events, um, you know, inexplicable um, occurrences, what they call, you know, some people might call accidents or, uh, you know, uh, but we know better. Um, you know, meeting people from at the Wall of China <laughs> that you hadn't seen in how many years? Yep. Yeah, it was a crazy experience. Yeah. So we're just going to catch up. You said that you enrolled in a program on, um, what is the actual title of the program? Yeah, so it's uh, the program's called uh, What Will Set You Free, and mm-hmm. I have enrolled as a, uh, in training, a freedom coach, which basically, uh-huh. you know, helps guide people through um, events in their lives that, And the concept, which, again, we've talked about, um, is the idea that our life events, you know, they're stored in our bodies. You know, our cells know, our cells remember, you know, what our life experience has been. And if those life experiences, you know, are somehow contaminating your future, meaning that you're, you know, not able to experience joy, you know, your possibilities seem limited, you know, you're feeling hopeless, then there's a good chance that, you know, some of those events actually need to be healed. And so we've been, you know, I've been in this program now uh, since last October, um, and I just came back from a retreat last weekend, um, you know, with the gal who designed the program. Her name is Cynthia James. And, you know, just loving, loving, you know, the concepts, obviously learning for myself, but actually being able to help others with it. Do they do any uh, kind of body work, any healing work, any light work? Uh, because, you know, you're yeah, talking yeah, about exactly. a lot of that, these things. Go ahead. Yeah, so the, the process really is, um, you know, helping folks get connected with their bodies, right? And just, you know, wherever there's, you know, something that is constricted, you know, in your body. And through the work, through the work that we do with individuals is basically then, you know, identifying 
you know, what that event is representing. Basically, what of your past may need attention. And the and the great part about the work is, and again, I've done a lot of you know the traditional counseling where you talk about things and you actually are re- cementing you know those truths as opposed to actually healing those truths. So in the work that we do, the idea is these events you know come up and and you've experienced them you know in your physical life. So it's not like you have to go through you know the trauma of them, but the idea of the energy of that experience is still stored you know, in your body. So the idea is, you know, getting to that place, getting to that cell in your body that still holds that memory and then allowing, you know, a safe place for that memory to come up and then release it, right, so that it no longer has, you're no longer storing that energy in your body. Therefore, any future life events aren't going to have a way to reconnect, you know, with those experiences. Interesting. Now, is this done just verbally, or as I say, is there a physical, I mean, are they using, um, one of the, the stages I went through at one point was a great, uh, it was a great stage, and a way to neurologically release a lot of this stuff was a program called Network Chiropractic, and um, that, you know, was not in a con- traditional sense of chiropractic with a lot of manipulation, though there was some of it, but mostly it was, touching what some people might call trigger points, uh, more kind of like a, a chiropractic acupuncture, you know, cleaning out yeah, meridians, cleaning out. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, so basically what we do in this work, you know, is, is number one, we know that the, the client, they know what needs to be healed. They, they know their story. They are in full um, control and awareness of, of what it will take to heal and so we basically allow the client um, through like a guided meditation to identify, you know, what in their body needs attention. And then, you know, as those events come up, then we go through a process to, you know, kind of honor and understand, you know, what, what happened and why, and then find a way to basically release that event and, to allow it to no longer have the power or impact that it has on your life. I see. So it is, um, would you say then, uh, emotional, psychological, uh, psychic? Uh, what, what do you really think is the release uh, yeah, I think it's. Yeah, I think it's the, um, I mean, the events, I would say are stored, you know, either at an emotional or a spiritual level, right? It's part of your, you know, who you are. And, you know, being able to, again, with the belief that, you know, this is all, you know, a divine experience, the fact that the coach is tapping into the divine awareness. And, you know, so the work isn't anything that I'm doing personally because I'm not, I'm just creating a safe place for the client to do that work. Right? Okay. So, Great. Yeah, so it's really, you know, in, in our belief, you know, it's an intuitive experience in the fact that, you know, we're tapping into and being, you know, just channeling and understanding and being guided by what needs to happen in the process. Right. Now, what what is the background of the founder? Is she a psychologist, so she, psychiatrist? Uh, she she has a um, 
Right now she's a minister at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. And so she's Mm -hmm. got her master's in uh, human consciousness studies. And the the church is based on um, the science of mind. Mm -hmm. So the the idea of, you know, the mind-body connection um, and the fact that, you know, there is a connection between science and spirit. Right. Right, and so she, she basically combines both, you know, her training in her years of schooling along with her own personal life experience, you know, which right. was, you know, very traumatic at a very young age. And, you mm-hmm. know, what she found was that she didn't even have conscious memories of what happened to her because, Correct. you know, as a very young child, unable to really process what was happening, she would disassociate. And so she, you know, she really doesn't have memories, conscious memories, because she, you know, she wasn't in her body when these things were happening, but her body actually remembers. Yep, sure, And so she went, you know, years of, you know, healing and the processes that she went through. And so what she's done is she's, you know, built this program um, that allows people to, you know, go through the same type of experience. And she's got a, a book um, you know, just a very short book, you know, that's like a seven-week program along with a meditation CD that, you know, again, people can do this on their own. But what she's experienced is that, that a lot of times people, you know, literally can't do it on their own, that they really need some some type of a support system that helps them process these experiences. And that's where she's wanting to create this um, community of what we call freedom coaches that, allow people, you know, if they've taken one of our workshops and want additional support, that then they can tap into, you know, this group of folks that she's, you know, personally trained um, to continue the work. Do they, is there, do you see a norm or a pattern on how quickly people get to the place of freedom? Well, it's, it's interesting because there's, you know, many, many moments, you know, that are probably holding us back. Um, and so, you know, I've been to two of her workshops where it's a retreat, a Friday night event, and then an all-day Saturday event. And, you know, even just in, in those events, just those weekend retreats, for many people you can see profound transformation just in that weekend retreat. And so sure. it, it, a lot of times it really just depends on, you know, if the student's ready, Right. Mm-hmm. And you know the idea of of sometimes it's if it's a pattern, a life pattern, you know, and and one of the first chapters in her book is really about you know your story and the fact that you know giving up the story you know that you've lived up until now, you know, can be kind of scary. And the idea of okay, well, if I give that up, then you know who am I really? And so you know the the idea of of going through the work and at least what we've experienced is that people don't, you know, go through the seven chapters, you know, week after week, and in seven weeks, you know, they're cured. The idea is it's a very iterative process, meaning that at any point in your life, you know, you could pick up the book and realize that it's time time for a new story, right, that the current story is limiting your possibilities, right? It's limiting, you know, really who you came here to be, and so she really, right. you know, challenges us 
that says, you know, playing small, you know, there's no no time for playing small anymore. And so it's really, it's quite remarkable just to see, you know, how this process can work. Um, and the thing that I've, you know, found so interesting, again, is just how, you know, people who don't even know that I'm doing this program, you know, people that I've crossed paths with, you know, five or six years ago, halfway around the world, you know, Facebook me and say, hey, you know, I just, I I think you can help me. And it's like, okay. Um, so that's the part that's been obviously very fun for me is just this divine appointment um, concept that says, okay, you know, now that I'm, you know, have some new tools, other folks seem to be, you know, tapped into that and saying, hey, you know, I just need your help in, in processing something, right? And having these new tools gives me an ability, um, an awareness that, you know, I hadn't understood before of of the fact that just creating a safe place, you know, just being able to hold space that allows someone to speak their truth and process something, you know, is is an extremely powerful moment for both, you know, the clients, you know, and the coach. Absolutely. So, you know, there's, I don't know, um, I just recently finished the book by uh, Morjani. Have we talked about her before? Oh, I don't, uh-uh. Okay, uh, she wrote a book call. Again, you know, I'm always, I always get a big kick out of the way that uh, whatever I need. I remember I used to say, <laughs> there was a great affirmation I ran to probably 25, 30 years ago. It was on a oh, the wall of a, a great massage therapist, and it was, I welcome change and adventure. Uh, welcome change and adventure. I welcome um, adventure. Uh, basically, that I won't. Uh, <laughs> I get it. I'm changing. I'm an open channel for divine ideas to flow through me. The creative creativity of the universe now expresses through me. That which I need to know is revealed to me, and whatever I need comes to me. I am divinely guided and protected, and I walk a clear and peaceful path. And you know, through the years, I've just no matter where I've gone and my travels and discoveries and learnings, it always seems to come back to that. You know. My, um, and so, you know, I, I find these teachings, these these books at the right time with the right message for exactly what's on my mind. And, you know, at the, at the age of 66, and I think I was fortunate that I started my spiritual journey in realizing that, you know, I tell people that at 13 I didn't just have cancer. I had a terminal disease because I consider a 5% chance of survival. You know, 95% of the people who get the disease die. Uh, that's pretty terminal. And uh, so the fact that I survived a terminal disease uh, and escaped without the conventional um, methodologies of chemo because there was no such thing at the time. Um, in fact, if maybe in jest, you know, I would say what, what would be the healing, number one healing uh, component or factor or variable that I feel saved me was coming home from the hospital minus a leg um, after my bout with cancer and my mother making a tuna fish sandwich. I'll never forget that sandwich after having hospital food for over a month. And the love and the care and the you know the everything about that just 
made me say, ah, okay, now that's over with, let's move ahead. So I found more Johnny's book, and basically, you know, her thesis is, is she had cancer. And now here's an interest. I mean, she just exposes so much in this book. And the cancer uh, invaded every part of her body. Every cell in her body was contaminated with cancer. And she finally, all her organs shut down, four-year battle with cancer, and, and died. It virtually went into a coma, flatlined, and went over to the other side. And then had an experience there where she had a choice, you know, the, you know, the conventional, you know, do you want to go for, forward or do you want to go back? And, and to me, I know everything that she's saying is the truth because I had that, kind, that same experience that she had, not that I was dying, but I did get, I did see the light, the love, you know, and her reaction was the exact same as mine when, when that light came to me and that experience came to me and that never, never, ever, ever on this planet, on this plane, will you ever feel that amount of unconditional love that exists, you know, in the divine realm. And I don't care if you're a mother for a kid who's willing to say, it, does, it doesn't come close. And so I knew she was... I could connect with her right away and that, well, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I'm over there. And she said, here was the process that happened. She uh, recounted that she, as a kid, uh, her, her whole life, she was petrified of cancer. Now, she came from, uh, grew up in India came from, and then moved to, um, to China and she, Hong Kong, actually, and uh, so she was still westernized, and lo lots of success in her family, and uh, she realized that she adopted all of the traditional, um, you know, levels of success that she was supposed to follow, but she feared cancer her whole life, and she made sure that she ate nothing, nothing entered her body, she was so petrified of cancer that nothing entered her body unless it was organic and it was vegan. So no meat and nothing unless it was organic and vegetable. And she got cancer anyway. And struggled, and when she got it, struggled for four years with every type of healing uh, um, methodology she could find, from chemotherapy, Western medicine, to uh, traveling to mountains to meet gurus and spiritual healers, to... Ayurvedic medicine to traditional Chinese medicine to um, you name it, she did it. Uh, she left nothing, um, Qigong, the whole thing. And it was only when she let go. She finally mm -hmm. said, okay, this is it. I'm ready to go. I'm not going to struggle anymore. I'm not going to resist cancer. I'm not going to resist dying. I'm letting go. And it was at that moment of letting go that she went over and she met her father, and her father said, okay, if you go any further, you're not going back. So you have a choice. And she knew that when she came back, her cancer would be completely gone. At that second, at that second, she reentered her body. And she also was told that she had a purpose in life and that that would be taken care of virtually by itself. And so and it would serve a higher purpose than anything she had done to date. So she comes back, doctors are shocked, doctors are furious because they, this is now uh, breaking, you know, out of their, their comfort zone, you know, what they're used to. 
you know, here comes a patient that they flatlined basically and they were losing, thought they had totally lost. And now she's back from the coma and she's telling them every single thing that happened, not only in the room, but throughout the entire hospital. She wasn't even in, um, the individuals weren't even in the room. They were having conversations about her, you know, three floors down and whatever. And, uh, so they investigated, and she allowed them. She knew she, it was cancer-free, but she allowed them to do tests for three weeks because she wanted it to be unequivocally proven that she was cancer-free. And what happened was some um, skeptic doctor who did love nothing better to do than to debunk any spontaneous remissions did a paper on her and was converted. He then realized this was the real deal, and he posted it on the Internet. Um, uh, so uh, Wayne Dyer picked up on it, <laughs> which I find interesting about Wayne Dyer. Wayne Dyer got leukemia. Right. Wayne Dyer, spiritual guru, master, you know, whatever, immediately goes into panic mode and searches for every single methodology to get rid of his leukemia. Finds out about Morjani and becomes a Morjani apostle. He's he's now on to Morjani. I mean, I've seen him throughout his life. I, I get a big kick out of Wayne. I think he's done phenomenal things for a lot of people. But he's always interesting. Wayne never stays the course with anything too long and always jumps on the latest trend. I mean, he became a huge disciple of Deepak once Deepak started talking about feelings as opposed to thoughts. But anyway, Wayne... <clears throat> talks and talks and talks about this paper that was written about Morjani, <clears throat> excuse me, and he did it on his r r internet radio show on Hay House. Somebody told Morjani that he, he was talking about her. And so she called in one day, and that was it. He, he, after that conversation, Wayne picked up the phone and called Hay House and told Morjani that she should write a book and that Hay House would publish it for her, which they did. And so now Morjani is this best-selling author, international speaker, healer, <laughs> after coming that close to death. And her message, just let go. Just let go. There's a force that we're all connected to. And when you just relax into it, and you understand that nothing is more powerful than that divine element of who you are, nothing will get in your way of doing exactly what you've mentioned today, which is, you know, your real purpose. Mm -hmm. So fascinating, yeah. uh, fascinating book. And, uh, well, and, and, you and know, also, you bring this up. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, because, uh, well, okay, in conjunction with that, because at this point in my life, I feel that I, I'm not seeking anymore at all. I found all, everything I need to know now, not only through, you know, I mean, just because of these two books. I wouldn't have been ready for these two books, but, um, you know, I had to, you know, and, and when you go through life being somehow touched with, you know, an experience like mine, like, you know, how, do, how did I get saved over the 95%? How did I become one of the 5%? And how did I go 50-plus years without a remission or any other incident with it? You know, how does that happen? In, in in all the other circumstances that were miraculous and miraculous to you as well, you start to, you if you've got any kind of consciousness at all, you can't not wonder, is there something going on that I can't see? And so what I did and what you're doing is we both start to seek 
you know, what is this thing? What are these signs? What are these events that seem to be beyond my control? And so the second book that came along, right right along with it, was somebody had mentioned, I'm, I'm taking classes at Apple, and one of the instructors mentioned a book by one of my favorite movies of all time is uh, The Legend of Bag of Vance, which is an extremely spiritual movie. And it's written by a guy named Stephen Pressfield. And this kid told me about his book, um, The War of Art. And basically, and it's, it ties in very much with what you're going through right now. Pressfield says that within all of us, built into the human condition, built in absolute reality, a real mechanism is what we call, he calls resistance. And it totally ties in with something you just said earlier, that we are, we live two lives, the life we're living now and the life we want to live, the life we know we, we came here to live. And he says, the thing that keeps us, keeps us from on the path of living the life we are living and preventing us from living the life we came to live is resistance. We all have it, and we all dive into it. And it's a life struggle. And he says the only way to deal with that is to go to war with it in the sense that you've come here to do work. Do the work. Because when you do the work of what you, your intuition tells you, your soul tells you, what you know to be true, why you came here, what your talents are, what your love's, love is. And he says when you start to do that every single day, the other side, which he calls the muse, he calls it many, other, many things, he calls it the muse, the divine God, comes to your aid. And he says you will see things in your life that defy temporal or physical explanation cause and effect doesn't exist when it comes to these things because you'll experience synchronicity you'll experience serendipity and that's especially in the last 10 years i've seen things that defy explanation and nobody can explain them and that moved you know my particular mission forward and still is moving it forward so he says and then interestingly enough he says, you know, he, he gets, and we have a, must have some luminaries here in, in Beantown because uh, we've got two tour buses and they're giving them a beautiful police ex escort. Nobody's going to jail, but they're making them feel very important <laughs> at this time. <laughs> and it looks like, a, a, and there's all kinds of these uh, SUVs with these black windows with, you know, that uh, either, you know, there's some there's some bad guys, real bad good guys in those cars following this uh, entourage. But uh, he says that, he says this resistance is so strong. And what Morjani said is she took, because she was so petrified, because of all the fear, and we've talked about the fear thing so often, she says we are so powerful as beings that we can create, well, which Pressfield was saying, resistance. We can create enough resistance. We can create enough of a block that the power we have turns back in on us. Instead of moving out of us to, to manifest what we came here to do, it will turn back in on us to create the cancers and the disease and the, all of the other things, which is what you're talking about because people are being blocked by a past experience. And the idea is to move them past that. But he says, isn't it interesting? He says, 
and, and there are numerous cases of this where let's take he says the 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 obedient and the the dutiful mother wife who has dedicated her whole life to everyone else's needs but hers finds out you know at the an age of 45 or 50 that she's got cancer and she's got six months to live and she decides that that novel that she's always wanted to write she's going to write now she's only got six months to hell with everything else to hell with her job as a nurse in the local hospital to hell with her duty to her kids and her husband she's going to take the next six months to fulfill her life's purpose and he says three months into it there's this spontaneous remission of the cancer. And he says there's this, uh, a Jungian, Carl Jungian uh, psychiatrist who's documented case after case of this. And he says because the soul has finally got an outlet <laughs> to do what it wants to do. And um, so with those two, you know, books that came my way, I just realized that you know, we struggle and struggle and struggle, as more Johnny did. She fought and fought and fought and resisted, resisted, resisted. It was only when she relaxed into her higher self that she really had the power. And Pressfield is saying the same thing. He says, do the work, let go, and trust. Those are the, all you got to do. Do the work, let go, and trust, and it will happen. And... Um, so anyway, fascinating that, you know, we're running this parallel, um, you know, um, learning about, you know, an exposure to the, this truth, which is so contrary to what most people in the way they're living every single day, which is, I'm going to make this happen. You know, I'm going to get up every day and challenge life and push and struggle and kick and work hard and and ignore the pain and ignore the the you know the trauma of what happened in the past but because i'm going to do all the conventional methods of cause and effect if i do this then i'll get this result and work 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 and struggle 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 and deny 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 etc and um and as results you know the you know the uh attending diseases, illness, you know, pain, whatever. So Yeah, I think that <laughs> yeah, the the idea of you know, of the fact that we think, you know, at an ego level and I had, you know, one of these ego experiences, you know, just in the last few weeks where you know, I was helping my sister who was in the hospital and, you know, thinking that you know, me by being there, you know, every moment um, and totally wearing myself out, right, and thinking of whether I should leave the city and go to my workshop, you know, and feeling guilty but realizing I have to go. And once I go there and realize that taking care of myself, you know, is actually the right next step, right, I needed to rest. And the fact I could do more work, and have a bigger impact on everything that was going on, you know, by, you know, taking care of myself, right, which seems counterintuitive, you know, to the old way of being, which, no, i got to be there, I've got to, you know, heroic, unnatural acts, you know, to support this, and and realizing that, no, I need to take care of myself, I need to rest, that that's the right next 
thing. And and knowing that it was a divine appointment, I mean, I'd signed up for that workshop, you know, months before, and you know, my little sister didn't get approval for the surgery, and you know, kind of a last minute type thing. And so it was just like, ah, okay. So again, another example, just what you're saying of how it's all lined up for us, right? But sometimes right. we I can mean, even our ego say, right? Yeah, the ego thinks that we're driving the bus, and I'm learning every single day. You're not driving the bus. You're, you know, I had an experience uh, a year ago when I was on my way to New York City to attend Toy Fair, et cetera. And so I jumped on the bus, and I had my computer with me. I had my cell phone. I had some books. And we stopped, and we got a halfway. They stopped at a Burger King. I got a breakfast sandwich or something. I'm sitting on the bus, and I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do next? You know, I got on the computer, and I, okay, great. And I'm doing this and this. I'm saying, you know, wow. And my ego is taking over, going, wow, look at all you're doing to create your future. You know, you're, you're learning this new t- technique. You're practicing what you just learned at Apple. You're planning. You're doing it. And then it hit me because this analogy of you're not driving the bus you know, that I picked up along the way. And I went, no matter what I do on these little individual choices, well, let me eat my breakfast sandwich now. You know, that's good for me. I'm eating, I'm getting nutrition, and da-da-da-da-da. And isn't this great how I'm affecting my destiny? And then this voice comes over, yeah, but stupid. You're going to New York, whether you like it or not. That's already determined. Unless you get up and put a gun in the driver's head and blow his brains out, you're going to New York. You can make all these little decisions about your life, but you're going to New York. That's where the bus is going. And I started to realize that, you know, when everybody struggles with all of the, uh, let's affect the outcome. You know, if I do this and this and this, that'll... No, well, nobody knows, especially when you jump into the realm of creativity. You don't know what the outcome is going to be or when it's going to be or how it's going to be. You know, that's impossible. And so you realize that that's not within your realm of power. It's not in your arena as as an ego. That's determined by the higher part of you. And so you start to realize, all I can do, and this is what Morjani is saying and what Pressfield is saying, you get up and you do your best every day. But you go there every day. You show up. Woody Allen has a great expression. 90% of life is showing up. <clears throat> and he's absolutely right. There's no greater truth. Getting up every day and being there, <clears throat> being present and following your path, following your, you know, your, your truth. In his case, I mean, he's, you know, he's something like 80, almost 80 years old. Now, he does a movie every single year. He has never had um, writer's block you know, in his destiny, he was on the show of shows with, uh, with you know, all of the great writers of the time and great actors, comedic actors. So he was, he's followed his destiny from day one. He, he, was, he was flunked out of New York University. Flunked out. He flunked out. Genius. Flunked out because that wasn't the place for him. So, you know, that, um, and it's the scariest place in the world to be because things aren't going to manifest on a day-to-day basis the way you want them or the way you may want to schedule them. You just never know when or how they're going to show up. And that's where the trust factor comes in. So, <clears throat> so that's where I am. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it sounds like, um, again, the, the teachers, right, keep showing up. And I think that's the other part, you know, of the of being ready, you know, to be the student, you know, of what's going on. Because I think that's, that has helped, you know, in, you know, the same, you know, 13-year journey is, you know, to be, you know, open, you know, to those teachers, to those messages. Whereas, you know, oh, absolutely. Had those messages. Yeah, they're, they're, they're all the signs. I don't know if you've seen. Have you seen The Life of Pi? I haven't. Fabulous movie from a thousand viewpoints. I mean, and factors. First of all, the cinematography is gorgeous. You know, the the whole idea is very exciting and challenging and uh, captivating. And there's this point in the movie where he just realizes. In fact, I've seen like four movies with people on the ocean, totally abandoned. Robert Redford did a great one. I think he says, "All is lost." was great performance by him. It was, he was the only one in the movie, and not a word was spoken for the entire movie, and it was just gripping as heck. He's on a sailboat in the middle of the ocean. and um, Which led me to, somebody told me about um, the Tom Hanks movie where he was, um, I forget the title now, but he was, uh, you know, the plane crashed and he ended up on, uh, marooned on an island. And um, then I saw him in, also in... Um, uh, Captain Phillips, and then finally this life of Pi, all having to deal with the ocean, and uh, you know being, you know, alone, and what they finally had to do. And in every single one, the thing was they finally had to let go. They struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled, and when they finally let go in every single situation, and that was the big word, big phrase in, in the life of Pi, which is life is about letting go. And that's the big jump. And, uh, you know, as far as teachers go, I, I just saw a thing, and I was looking for that. Actually, I was looking to do a post on the life of Pi, and instead I found it kept coming up. Uh, Wayne, um, um, uh, I'm drawing a blank on this. I can see his face right now. Um uh, Alan Watts is came up and in, in in I've seen most of his videos, but I didn't hear or see this one. And it was who's in the, who is in authority? And he said, you know, in his great British accent, I am not your guru. I am not your savior. You know, you may be listening to me right now. He says, but to bestow your path, the story, bestow your destiny, your um, your being and entrust me with it because you think I'm some guru because I know some spiritual truths. He says it's like giving your authority to anyone else is like having somebody pick your pocket and allowing them to sell you your own watch back. <laughs> he says you already have the watch. It's stupid to buy back your own watch. <laughs> he says, so he says, all of the truths are inside you and they will come to be. But I totally agree with you that as, you, as the truth has to come out, there are these, these teachers along the way that go, oh, yeah. But like Socrates knew, 
he knew, you know, that's why he has the best method of all in teaching. It's the Socratic method. He asks questions because, you know, he knew that everybody already knew the answers. Right. Well, and a lot of times I think the the teachers that show up, right, they're just showing us reflection, right, on something that you already recognize. You just didn't know, right, until they show it to you, and you're like, ah, yeah, okay, yep, got it. Right. 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 And, you know, um, and that's what more Johnny's and everybody else, you know, everything we're looking at is a reflection of us, really. You know, it's our reality being projected out. And even what you're saying with your program is that what she's teaching people to do because they're focusing on the same recurring scene in a movie, whether they know it, they're conscious of it or not, that scene is preventing the rest of the movie from moving, moving forward. Right. You know, there's a great thing in The Course of Miracles. It says, <clears throat> you've got to understand, it's, it goes back to Plato's allegory of the cave. You know, you, everybody's in this cave and they're looking at, they don't understand that there's a reality outside the cave, and in the cave there's this fire projecting shadows on the wall, and everybody believes the shadows are real. But if they simply turned around and they're chained in and they think this is the story, they can look out and see the sunshine's behind them, and all they got to do is walk out of the cave. And so the Course of Miracles takes that and says, everything you see in your life is a projection. You're looking at the screen. And to think that you could go up to the screen and change what's going on in the screen is idiocy because it's all coming from the projector behind you. So that's why people get hung up with, well, if this person wasn't in my life or this situation with money wasn't in my life or if this disease wasn't in my life, you know, then things would be better and I've got to take care of this and it's this person's fault and that person's fault. And in this this one discourse that Alan Watts says, he says, don't blame anybody for anything. He says... It doesn't come from, well, my mother did this, and her grandmother did this, and and her grandmother before her taught this, and so all the way along, and I've got these genes, and da-da-da-da-da, so the person I am today is because of what went before. He says, no. He says, the person you are now, he says, you start, goes backwards. You start assigning those values to those things that came before you. When in reality, they didn't. They're not affecting you at all. You're putting the blame someplace else, and you have the power to, you know, to release into the power, and your whole reality will change. Yeah, it's, it's, I think the idea of, of the fact that none of this has really been taught or exposed um, you know is the part that seems so interesting at this stage right that it seems at this stage now that we've understood it more and you know we can live it and feel it you know that this is just like obvious but the fact that it isn't mainstream right it's not what's being taught and um, there's a great movie coming out called Heaven is for Real and it's based on oh, yeah, a, yeah life experience of a little boy, you know, in Nebraska. I have to put a little Nebraska, because, again, in Nebraska, we, you know, we seem to be a little bit behind on some things, but 
this little boy, you know, has a near-death experience and basically, you know, gets the story, you know, when he's, you know, in that in-between stage, you know, when the veil is very thin and he has the same challenge about whether he's coming back or not. And, again, to, to have a little, you know, a little boy, you know, have these truths, it's amazing, you know, that his parents, you know, felt like the only thing they could do was tell the story because it was so profound, you know, it, it had to be told. But, you know, they were ostracized horribly, you know, in a little tiny town in Nebraska, right? And so I love the fact that now it's on the big screen, right? So that, I mean, yep. so that more people can get a glimpse of, you know, these concepts. So I'm, I'm anxious to see, you know, just how it, you know, how it actually comes out on the big screen because um, the book. You know, oh when yeah, I read it, that's like, going to be a challenge. Yep, exactly. You know, it. Um, yeah, we are at a. You know, there there is a shift going on where. Um, people are becoming more aware. It's becoming, you know, especially with the Internet. It's, it's you know, to me, the Internet, and maybe a lot of people, there may be dangers and drawbacks, and nothing is ever all good or all bad. But to me, the manifestation of this technology is totally a divine phenomenon because what it's allowing us to do is instant communication and connections that never existed before and the ability to, you know, even as we're doing now, you know, um, you know, this is free to get on the Internet and record this, put it out there. And whoever finds it will find it because they were supposed to find it. Right. But, this, you know, none of us had the potential to express ourselves and have it distributed and published the way that we can today. It really is miraculous. And so the word is spreading. Yeah, no, so, I, I just even laugh how, yeah, through Facebook, right? I mean, a, a tool like that, you know, that says we don't even have to use, you know, phones anymore, right? We don't even have to contact each other. We, You know, everybody, we even know where people are and what they're doing and who's available and, you know, anywhere in the world. Um, you know, I was just pondering that this morning when I looked at the posts from, you know, friends that are over in China and friends, you know, just that are all over the world you know, that we have the ability to, you know, share life experience, you know, so much easier, right? And, you know, I think that that is progressing, you know, these concepts a lot faster, right? Absolutely. You know, there's a connection. I And, again, I'm finding them fast and furious. I've always been, um, a lot of my lessons come from books, but even more come from movies. And, you know, Netflix, imagine, you know, I could tell this was going to happen years ago. You know, I thought of the, I mean, Blockbuster was only, what, a couple of, a decade or so ago? <laughs> there were Blockbusters everywhere. And we used to have to get in our car, drive down, pick up a DVD and come back to the house. And, you know, and that's, and I said, someday they're just going to click it on the Internet, which is what's happened. And um, it'll even become more so. You'll see any movie, any time, any uh, title, any artist, whatever you desire, will manifest in seconds. And um, so anyway, I saw this one about this kid named Danny Way, who I never heard of, who is a world champion skateboarder. And he skateboarded, leaped across widthwise the Great Wall at its highest in China, at the highest point, at the widest point. 
and he had to build this monstrosity ramp that would propel him across it and land him on the other side on another ramp. Miraculous. I mean, it's just he's, he went beyond what anyone ever dreamed would be possible in terms of what he could do with this thing. He jumped out of helicopters onto ramps, and he said he did that in China, and he says one of the miracles of China is he's only one of three individuals throughout all of time that his name is written on the um, wall of China in gold. And he said to do this in China, where people are repressed, and for them to see a miracle like this, that nothing, there are no limits, that anything is possible, is a profound profound event and the fact that it was on film and that it's on youtube and that anybody in the world can see it you know here's a physical manifestation of an individual a human doing going beyond what was physically were you know physically impossible well and even you know when you bring up the great wall of china just realizing that at one point in time the thought was to keep out Right, you know, to yeah. <laughs> and and when you go there and you see, you know, just a tribute to the fact that, you know, they thought it was for this purpose, and now it brings people from all over the world, you know, yeah. in. Right. I mean, it's like okay, well, that I mean, that's an interesting. Yeah, lesson, that didn't right? work. That didn't work too well, did it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fascinating, exciting, challenging, scary time to be alive but the most exciting time in in many ways if you if you instead of resisting all of these tools you you grasp them i don't know you um did you see jobs the movie i haven't okay again so amazing so amazing to see you know i I read the book and to see the movie played out by an actor who was uncanny and scary how much he resembled him and sounded like him but um you know to see the all the tools that job used which was you know here's a guy who was a zen buddhist who meditated all the time and basically went to india and was exposed to that even before he began apple and said you know he's like the beatles you know they, they the, the music they did before india and the music they did in, after india was just you know, on a whole other crazy wild level. That's why after Sergeant Pepper came out and all of the other stuff, crazy stuff that they, you know, they they touched the divine and and you know did these things. But you see him in the early days of Apple saying, "Listen, what you got to do is it's got to come from passion. It's got to come from intuition." And this is totally contrary to the way the business world thought, and even you know, the fact that he left school. He says, there's nothing here for me. One of the teachers is trying to convince him to stay. He goes, there's nothing here for me. You know, and uh, you know, he hung around, as he said, you know, in that uh, thing he did on TED Talks. He, he stayed around just to take some free courses and stuff that he wanted in computers and in, in um, calligraphy because he liked calligraphy, and he says if it wasn't for calligraphy, he wouldn't have, there would be no fonts, choices of fonts yeah. on your computer. Um, you know, and then he, you know, they showed the part where, you know, basically Gates stole, stole his operating system. Stole it. You know, everything about it was stolen. And um, 
you know, and they show that particular scene where Jobs, they show it coming up on the screen and Jobs makes the phone call to him and just tells him outright that he's a thief and that he, he did steal it all. But anyway, and then afterwards, you know, he says, um, he says, again, he says, he says, you're born into the world, and everybody's telling you, and this fits in exactly to what we're talking about. You're born into the world, and people are telling you, listen, this is the way the world is. You see it? That's the way it is. Now, if you're going to be a good little boy, don't go around bumping into too many things. Don't try to, you're going to get hurt, and you're going to get knocked back. And don't try to make any waves, and don't try to break anything. And if you do it right, you can get through it okay. He says, and then one day you wake up and you realize, hey, except for the stuff that God made, everything here was made by somebody no smarter than you. Hmm. And you start to realize, wait a minute, if they're no smarter than me, why do I have to accept what they made? And why do I have to accept it the way they made it and the way society made it? I don't have to do this. I can do it my way. And I don't have to follow their rules. He says, that's when the big jump comes. And when you start to move forward, and then at the end, it gets very emotional. And he says, he starts thinking about all the people along the way. And he says, here's to the mavericks, here's to the outcasts, you know, here's to the misfits, here's to the people who think differently than everybody else, that don't respect the boundaries and the limits and decide to go beyond them. He says, because those are the people who think they can change the world, and they do. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is exactly what we're talking about. Is in, but it's a very painful, p- painful metamorphosis to leave what you've been used to your whole life, and then all of a sudden to say, "I'm going to move forward. I'm going to go." You know, see, there's a great scene too where he fires, <laughs> he fires everyone on the board but two, and one of the people left is this uh, Asian gentleman, and he says, "What do we do now?" And and uh, Jobs thinks for a second. He goes, I'm going to put a dent in the universe. That's what we're going to do. And obviously he did. You know, he changed the world. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's um, you know, it's it's an interesting and scary and, you know, groundbreaking and out-of-this-world journey um, that you're on. And it gets very shaky at times where you kind of want to go back and say, I I wish I just could find that thing that if I did this, I got this result. But those, those rules don't work anymore. Well, and to know that the the door behind you is closed and locked forever, right? I mean, the idea of, of, of thinking that going back, you know, might be a good idea and then kind of getting that awareness. It says, yeah, that, that, that door's gone, right? That yeah, exactly. You know, you're you're just uh, right. Yeah, it's that it's that scene from if you ever see the Bronx Tale, it's my favorite scene of of any scene from any movie. Is when um, the Hell's Angels come into Sonny's bar. He's the main character. He's in mafia. And he sees them going in there, and he runs down the street. He knows what's going to happen. He comes in, gentlemen. I'd like to buy you a drink. He says, uh, he says, hey Joe, these these beers are on me. I'd like to. I'm paying for these, gentlemen. Welcome to the Bronx. Welcome to my bar. I'm Sonny. 
I'd like you to have these drinks, enjoy them, have a good time, and let's just please, when you do drink them, I'll ask you to leave. And then somebody, you know, gives him an epithet or something, and then he asks them again, and they throw a beer on him. And he asks them one more time, and they do the same thing. And so he finally takes his keys, and he goes over, and he kicks the door shut, and he locks it. <laughs> and he says to them, now you can't leave. And then the door from the kitchen opens up, and all of these mafia guys walk in with baseball bats and destroy the the Hell's Angels. And it's right, the door. Now we can't leave. You can't leave mm-hmm. this new place you're in. <laughs> right. You're out on the edge, and uh, you got to keep going forward. But it's certainly, so. I mean, compared to where you know where I was and how I lived, um, you know this. This uh, sense of curiosity, you know, mm-hmm. sense of surprise, you know, that comes every day, oh, yeah. you know, is oh, yeah. something that I never experienced, you know, in the old way of being. That's great. How well put. It's true. It's like every day you watch the movie and the movie gets wilder and more exciting. Mm-hmm. And there is no cause and effect anymore. You can't say, well, I did that, therefore this is going to happen. It's like... Where the heck did this event come from? <laughs> right? Exactly. I mean, I, I I think one of the fun things about our path is that day of desperation, when, which was, I think, pivotal for you. It gives me the chills even talking about, oh, my God, I just got fired. What's going to happen? <clears throat> you know, and I think my yeah. basically my message was, whatever's going to happen, <laughs> just watch. It all happened for well, a reason. The message and then gonna... was let go, right? I mean, I still have the notes, you know, that I wrote that day, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. a little, you know, pack of of truths that I, you know, carry with me at the at really defining moments. And you know, you basically said, you know, just let go, right? Yeah. yeah. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and it happened for a reason, and it happened to get you, you just as you were saying about the people being stuck on an event past in their life that's holding them back. You know, that was it saying, Linda, this game's over. You know, you, yep. you know, I'm just trying to explain this. I got a client right now who's got a company, and um, he's, he's realized, he, he made a step to go into spirituality, and then all of a sudden his other world is imploding. Everything he had before is, is just degenerating. It's all, you know, just total disruption. And he can't figure it out. And I'm telling him, it, it happened once you made the move to move ahead. I says, you can't keep the garbage when you've decided to move out of the house. The garbage has got to go. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's in, you know, total... I said, you know, I said, the only thing I could relate it to in my life was that every time I kind of got a truth and I moved up along the, the spiritual path, was it was like an electron, you know, in this comfortable orbit around the nucleus, and then all of a sudden a charge comes into the to the molecule and kicks the electron out of its orbit, and now it's a free radical, and now it's got energy, and it's got a it can't go back to the energy level it was before. It's got to lock into a new orbit, and until it locks into that new orbit, it's totally disoriented. And I've gone through this, and you must have gone through this. I think if we can leave any listener with this, is that when you do make the decision to move up, it's going to screw your head up pretty bad because all of a sudden, that music that you used to listen to that was so cool, that 
club or something that you went to or that group of people that you hung with or those books you used to read or whatever it is. doesn't work anymore. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, why, why don't I like this stuff anymore? Why can't I identify with this stuff anymore? Where did all those people go? Why don't I want to even go there anymore? And then all of a sudden, until you click into the new one, you don't see the new people. You don't see the new movies. You don't see the new music. You don't, none of it makes sense. You don't see the new food, even. But all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. It all starts, it's like that thing with the movie. You, just, you didn't just mess around with the screen and say, I don't like this scene. You realized you just started projecting a whole new reality. Well, and I think the other thing is, is like you said, as far as, you know, it messes with your head because the truth is in your heart, right? And so when your head exactly. is leading, right? And so I think that's the other piece that, you know, if you're constantly in your head, you're going to get messed up, right? And so yep, exactly. you know, the idea of then realizing that, no, the truth is in your heart and, and learning, like you say, leading with passion, leading with what feels right, listening with your heart, connecting with your heart, you know, that's going to give you that, you know, kind of that stability, you know, that you need, you know, as your world is unfolding. Exactly. You know, and hence, you know, with my little bean project here, which is use your bean, trust your heart, follow your gut, mm -hmm. you know, build your yep. character. That's the part that, you know, my decisions don't come from my head anymore. And I, I laugh when I hear, you know, I get friends and they're trying to figure it all out. I say, you're in your head. You're in your head. You're not going to figure it out with your head. You know, with your gut and your heart, that's the divine part of you. That's the part that's going to figure it out. You know, and um, I think well, Alan Watts in this thing, and with this, he says the human brain is the most incredible computer ever created. But it can't comprehend at all. It can't. It can only comprehend certain functional aspects. But he says the the deeper part of who you are, it can't comprehend. It hasn't got the capacity to comprehend. And that's the bigger part of you. And he says, so if you just relax, he says, those pieces that need to be done will enter the brain. But as long as you stay trying to calculate it all, you're, done, you're, 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 you're finished. Well, you sound like you're in a fantastic place. Yeah, things are things are good, and and you know, like I said, the the idea of being curious of, you know, how the next day, how today will unfold, you know, who will cross my path, you know, what invitation will come, um, and you know, like we <laughs> talked, you know, what can we say yes to, right? You know, that's that's a great point. Remember the remember the uh, the early stages of I got to plan my whole day, and I got to. <laughs> I'm laughing about it now. You know, I've got to set these goals, and I've got to get this, and I've got to get this accomplished, and I've got to do this and this and this and this. And, and that certainly has its place. In fact, I find it starting to creep back into my life because I've got so many things that I'm trying to do. But it works differently now. I don't, it doesn't come from my head. It comes from my gut. So as my gut is telling me these things have got to be done, I jot them down to get them done. But I remember seeing the movie What the Bleep. Have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Remember the, you know, the part where everybody's talking about, well, you know, I get up and I create my day. You know, I sit down and reflect what I want to have happen and this and this. And at the time, I was retired. I was three or four years into retirement. The person who brought me to see the thing I was living, every day was miraculous. I mean, things were manifesting beyond anything I could have imagined. For me to sit down in the morning and say, I'd like to have this happen, happen. <laughs> Wouldn't be possible. I mean, you couldn't even dream it, right? Did, couldn't even dream right. it. Yeah. You know, and I said, somebody said to me, the person I went with says, what do you think? I said, well, I said, fascinating. It was a, explained a ton of things and everything. But I said, I feel bad for those people thinking that they can sit down with their imaginations and come up with something great. And they probably do. I said, it's probably, that's exactly what they create, what their limited imaginations could do that, because that's how powerful we are. But I says, I wake up every day going, show me. <laughs> show me the magic, you know. And then the magic happens, magic beyond the comprehension of what I could possibly create in my own tiny, puny imagination. Because it's all based on what I had as an experience before. You know, right. Once I mean, and we and open that's up, another one of those from our conversation that day, you know, you basically said, I mean, you can, you know, limit your possibilities to what you can imagine. I'm sure that it's fabulous, but why would you, right? Why would you if you had a choice, right? Right, right, right. Why not let the divine show you, the bigger part of you, show you some real magic, you know? And, um, you know, I just, again, I'm at a point now where I'm seeing... Magic beyond magic. I mean, I've seen so much magic to date, and then now the magic gets crazier and more incredulous. I mean, I think I just told you by just doing, following my path day by day, I just found a guy on the Internet who's a genius, total genius in terms of social media, SEO, web optimization, web design, da-da-da-da-da. Picked, I, I picked up his site, and he, he even started to feel the magic. He goes, I just put my site up. How'd you find it? I said, I don't know. I was on Twitter. And he says, oh, I took out an ad on Twitter. And he says, that's how, yeah. I said, it said I should follow you. And I liked your site, and we started a conversation. Within two days, this guy is working for me, and I don't have any money. I gave him some equity. And he's been, it's incredible, the the things that, and, you know, this is the thing people don't understand, that people will just show up, you know, because they're supposed to show up. Things will happen because they're supposed to happen in their own time. And, you know, so I'm doing this kids' radio show, and all of a sudden, you know, we, we created unheard of. I meet a gal who I had lost total contact with, a fellow comedian. I explained to her that I get an idea to do a kids' radio show. She says, I don't understand. I says, well, you know, I want to do these little vignettes. She says, well, who are the two main characters? And I tell her, and she says, well, you want to do one? And in five minutes, we had a story. I had it recorded on my phone. And then we went into a recording studio, and in less than two months, we recorded 30 stories that are hysterical and, you know, complicated and twisted. And, and we both look at each other every time we record one and go, do you get this? We go, no. And she's a medium. She's totally connected to the other side. And she says, you know, we're being channeled. We're channeling, you know. And I go, I know. I said, I don't, we don't have a clue what we're going to say or how we're going to say it or how much we're going to say, but it always, we don't even have to re do a retake. So there's, you know, how many authors create 30 stories in less than two months, and now we've got them manifested in an actual physical 
CD, and, the, and those are the stories we're playing on the show. And uh, now I, do, I wanted to round out the show with some kids' music, so I go on, I find a page on Facebook that has children's entertainers, and I go and I randomly hit a gal just because I liked her picture and asked, invited her to do the show. She says, oh, I'd love to. And the gal is from Denver, Colorado, and I find out, I'm listening to one of her fabulous songs called Hey Sam, which is a song about her imaginary friend. And I'm listening to it, and I'm going, I said to her, who's, who's your guitarist? I said, who, who's, who's playing guitar? I said, it's beautiful. Oh, she goes, oh, that's Jim Kimple. I lived in Nashville for a couple of years. He's a writer, singer, songwriter, producer, and he's uh, Lever McIntyre's lead guitarist. <laughs> uh-huh. She's got over six albums. She's a major player in the children's music world. And he, she and I are chatting like you are on a, a radio show that's being broadcast to kids. And you just go. And then recently I, I picked up someone with even more exposure and, you know, than her just the other, yesterday. And she'll be in. So making all of these connections can always, as Stephen Jobs would say, connecting to all of these dots that weren't, weren't even part of my reality two weeks ago. <laughs> and I'm getting this whole, just like I said about kicking into a higher orbit, and getting all these new friends with talents, with bands and music and songs and followers that I never knew existed, and have no idea where this whole thing will lead or end. But it's just a blast. <laughs> and scary at the t- same time because I don't have any money. <laughs> but somehow money shows up. You're attracting all sources, right? What's that? I said, but you're obviously attracting all sorts of resources, right? Oh, I'm not, it, 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 yeah, without money. That's the, see, when I exactly, finally that do money people money, you should buy them. No, you know, money even if you buy had Money can't buy them. Right. Oh. You know, it's so funny. I was... Um, one of my buddies was talking the other day that they were in a bar and one of the, a kid came in, a son of one of the guys he was with, and he's telling about his, his adventures with a band and they travel all over the country. And he says they're not at the point where they're filling 400-seat rooms, but they're filling 200-seat rooms. And so they, you know, and, and so one of the guys who's an insurance agent who's in his 50s, the kid's having a ball telling the story about all of his adventures with this band and the music they're creating and the people the followers and the way that the careers are going and so he says so explain the money part of this to me (laughs) and he said once he did that to the kid the kid looked at him and said he says well we get by he goes but it's always a struggle but he says but you know every time we concentrate on the money this thing gets destroyed and and that's one of the things that Stephen Pressfield talks about in the war of art he says, start, start focusing on the money, and you're going to lose the muse. The muse takes off. And so my buddy says, well, you know, he did that unconsciously. He didn't really know. I said, no, he didn't. I said, he may be unconscious, but he knew what he was doing deep down. This kid was on a high talking about his adventures and everything else. And to this salesman, insurance salesman, who in his life will never have that adventure, won't have the, the audacity to take that jump, who's never experienced the kind of creativity, the only way he can take that kid and make himself feel comfortable is if he can reduce it to what, what is the number one factor and the motivator in the 
bottom line in this country, and it's funny that it's the bottom line, isn't it? It's not the upper line, <laughs> money. <laughs> and he, I says, that was his way of making himself feel good, that this kid isn't making any money. And so he wanted to take his steam out of it. And you're right, at this point, you know, I say to uh, one of my uncles who's close to me in age, I heard him over saying it to my father. My father was on the speakerphone one day, and I was visiting him, and he says, you know, he lost his money. He'll never make it again. He'll never have money again. And my my gut actually just kind of laughed at the whole thing is to say, how do you know? <laughs> you don't know from one second to the next. Not that that's what my driving motivation is anymore, but you don't know anything. Nobody knows anything. That's the one thing that I've learned is that nobody's got, and that's what Wayne um, Alan Watts is saying, you know, who is the authority? It's not the person telling you they're the authority because ultimately nobody really knows. And it could all turn around in, in a flash. But the one thing I would say to him, and he's a successful businessman, you know, if I wanted to get into a kind of a fun debate with him and say, oh, yeah, when was the last time you had people work for you for free? <laughs> and if you, did, if you weren't offering cash and money every day, who would show up to your place to work installing air conditioners? Nobody. <laughs> and yet, you know, Stephen, anybody who's a creator and a visionary, the followers come along. You know, and it's not about the money at first. It's all about the vision and the dream and the joy. And you're right. I mean, that's going to be the ultimate story is that I can be dead in the water, have absolutely no money at all. And not only does enough money trickle in day by day, miraculously, but so do the people. They just show up, and the dream keeps moving forward. And that's the thing that, for me, finally, because it was somebody who actually took the chances, and he went that way, Pressfield went that way and he tells you about it how we made the decision to break from a, a position where he was making money and there was security to deciding to write this novel and he says things will come along that will never be explicable in the in the physical realm never and that is because you and you know what i was thinking of the other day that is a great way to kind of end this whole thing he said, it's because you are co-creating with the muse. You are co-creating with the other side. And that was our first, my first question to you and your first answer to me. One thing I don't understand about this law of attraction thing, is it me or is it the other side? And you said to me, you don't understand co-creation. <laughs> and here it is, how many years later? Almost, what, 10 years later? <laughs> yep. It still comes back to co-creation. Pretty amazing. <laughs> and it is, and that's and it's so easy to forget, isn't it? As we're trying to struggle through, you know, the everyday problems with life. It's hard to say, Oh, I do have something watching my back. There is another side. There is that thing that Johnny talks about. There is that thing that Pressfield connected connects to every single day. You know, there's a great scene, I think I told you about it, with, um, there's a movie with, um, about Hemingway and his last wife, and uh, uh, he wakes up in the morning and he divorced his wife to be with the, his last wife, and they're down on the keys, and she wakes up, and he's standing at his, 
his uh, bureau, and he's typing, pecking away on the typewriter like crazy. And she says, Ernest, what are you doing? He goes, what time is it? He goes, it's noon. He says, get the hell out of bed, start writing. She says, wait a minute, what time did you get up? He goes, I got up at 6. He goes, wait a minute, we drank two bottles of wine and a bottle of rum. She goes, How, what do you, how'd you do it? He says, I found out something a long time ago. He says, writing is nothing more than bleeding at the typewriter. And if you don't show up every day, God gets pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the message. So, you know, I guess we can close this out today and tell people that just get up every day, find your passion, find your joy, and go at it every single day because, you know, you're going to find your muse, and your muse is going to come in and it's going to alter your physical reality. Yeah, it's a great message. Yeah, and it's what that what what connected us the very first time we met. Co that magical word, co creation. So Linda, I just felt we had to do this today. I, again it's you know, it's so fascinating. We can do this in a structured way, have a radio show and it'll be out there and people hopefully will get something out of it. But what a way to catch up and then have it kinda of have an impact for posterity. <laughs> Well, and I, we can hardly wait to see how this, uh, you know, where these adventures lead us, right? Oh yeah, and, and you know, and it's uh, it's they could never be as you know. And I I tell people, you know, I've totally left the realm where I felt I I I entered this phase. I you know, I tell people, you know, I was a real law of attraction guy. I was a total believer in my power, my ability to change my destiny and everything else. I was manifesting stuff like crazy. Oh, it was so easy at the end. So when this whole thing came along, I said, you know, this will be easy. I can do this, you know, no matter what. I know how to do this. And especially because I found uh, the secret along the way, which bailed, seemed to bail me out, and also the law of attraction I think, seemed to bail me out at certain phases of it. But then it just never worked out the way that I was designing it. And so it, had, it led me to that point where, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? And I struggled to struggle. I said, wait a minute. Now I've got to learn the next step, which is let go. And everything came to me, all of the books, all the lessons and the movies and everything else said, now's the next step. You've got to let go. You do what you do. You let go. You trust. And that was the big lesson. And then to see everything go. So they had no more resources and everything. Even a lot of the people went because they were supposed to go because they weren't good for what we were trying to do. And then to just sit and see and wait and allow, and then bam, it all starts coming back again. And you, so the story will have, in its completion, will be so much more meaningful because it's like the phoenix rising from the ashes. It looks like it's all over. <laughs> and then the divine comes the divine comes rushing back with no resources other than just will and passion and drive and faith and even more than faith and knowing and then it happens and then what can they all say <laughs> you know and it's so funny when i hear people starting to give cause and effect well if you do this you'll get this you got to do this and you got to do that and then i realize i get real uncomfortable and i don't know why but I realize I'm dealing, you know, somehow somebody snuck through the door that was closed, and they're in the new place, and they're, they're jabbering away stuff that 
makes sense to them in the physical world. And then I, I got to shake my head and I go, they don't know. They don't know. They've right, never experienced the miracles. They, yeah, yeah. It's the old story. They, they've never experienced miracles. And um, I'll, I'll end this with one last. You've got to see the, the Wolf of Wall Street. You know, I've, I've heard about it, although his daughter oh. um, writes that she doesn't want even one ounce of financial to go to him because of who he was. So part of me at a core moral level is like, you know what? I mean, the message is interesting, but when I saw her blog about it, I'm like, uh, right now I'm going to have to say no. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to follow your own gut, but I found it. it, It's the, the ultimate moral story. It's the ultimate moral message. It just showed you right from the beginning the destruction that was inherent, that the the, the way it was all going to implode, the way it all came down on him, there was no other way. And that, and in fact, I wrote a blog about it. One of the taglines to the movie is that um, um, more is not enough. And I wrote, that is the ultimate truth, that more is never enough because it only leads to wanting more. He never right. understood that enough is enough. I said he he never got it, and everything that he wanted to, that he was chasing on the outside, never would satisfy him. And it was a you know he was on a you know he was on like a gerbil wheel, just running and running and running and running and running, going nowhere. And it all had to implode for him to get it. I don't know if he ever does get it, but I think he has. But certainly, as the viewer, you go, wow. If this isn't a, a, a classic, that all that junk, all that stuff isn't going to make you happy. <laughs> it's just going to want you to want more. Because it's got no lasting value. In fact, that's what it led me to is a, is a place I, if I hadn't gone down this path, I would have never understood the joy of creativity, which, again, comes back to us talking about co-creation, is that, I said, realize everybody who's chasing and the bulk of the world is chasing, wanting to take the stuff that's already created on the outside and bring it to the inside. If I can just have that, if I can own that, if I can have that experience, if I can this and this and this, if I can consume, if I can possess, I'll be happy. And after a while, you just realize it's a never-ending run. It's a never-ending chase. It'll never be enough. It's one acquisition versus another, 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 another. And then all of a sudden, one day, you create something. You co-create something that never existed before. And then you see it manifest on the outside, and you realize that thing that you're looking at that's on the outside now wasn't there before, but it came out of you through that power, through that, that divinity. And you go, wait a minute, I don't need anybody else's stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I can, I'm, the, the real power comes from putting it out there. And that's what Jobs did. He says, you start to make products that really serve people and help people that never, ever existed before. <clears throat> That's the ultimate power. That's the joy. And that process of the joy of creativity is what I found. That And, and, and again, Pressfield talks about, and more John, Johnny found, is that that's the ultimate power. That's the ultimate joy. Is It's creation, not consumption. And that movie proves it. He never found out, because Matthew McConaughey in the first 
10 minutes. It's beautiful. He says to him, he says, he's naive at that point, and he says to um, Matthew McConaughey, he says, well, he says, uh, yeah, you, you, we're going to make all this money, but it's good for the client, right? We're going to make the client money. He goes, no, 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 no. McConaughey says, no, 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 we don't, let them, we don't ever let them take it. It's all an illusion. He says, we don't create anything. We never create anything. He says, it's all, it's all an illusion. He says, because once they make money, we make them reinvest it. So they never get it. Only we get it. <laughs> you just realize, you know, it's the same scene from, from Wall Street with Michael Douglas and, and Child. Um, one of the Sheen books says to his kid, you know, he says, Charlie Sheen says to his kid, he says, you don't, he says, you're not making anything. You're not producing anything. You're just swapping paper around. He says you got to get a, you, you got to get out of there. You got to make something for people. You got to be productive, not this thing. Just passing paper back and forth. You're not doing anything for the world. And so the moral, you know, you're right. I in whatever, but I mean, it is a, an extremely moral message. Through being so decadent, <laughs> you realize the real morality. Yeah. Well, and hopefully people will right that they go, <clears throat> and if they oh, can it's see... obvious. It's so obvious when you see it. It's so obvious. You go, oh my, what a trap! But he just, there's no way anybody in that movie that was involved or anywhere near him was happy, ever. They had pleasure, but they were never happy. You know, the houses, the boats, the cars, the drugs, the the sex, none of it lasted. None of it brought them to a place of peace or joy. They were tortured. It was you wanted to see if you want to see hell, that's what they were living. They were li- that's hell. That's what all the great moral leaders and spiritual leaders are talking about. That's the hell and it's right here. And that's the hell you create. Is you they were lost lost and miserable and brought nothing but pain to themselves through that just endless, endless seeking for, you know, pleasure and consumption. And like I said, and all of a sudden it took me to run out of, and you know, I will, I will admit there were times in my life I played that game, not to the extent that he did. I always had kind of a balance, but I was, I couldn't tell him, yeah, it's very alluring, very tempting, but then I, I had to get to this point. People, and, and this is what I, I kind of get a chuckle at is all the other people who I were in that old, on the other side of the door that's now locked, where those are the values. You know, I'm a fool to them. He, he idiot. He had it all. He was all set. He was all set financially for us. And then the idiot went and gambled it and lost it all. And I'd say it was worth every dime to get to this point spiritually and at peace and at surrender and acceptance that I never had before to understand that, wow, this is the real power, is to create. And now that I know how to create, they can never take it from me because I can always create. I can sit down and be quiet and go show up, and the divine, the muse, enters, and I watch magic happen. I go, oh, look at that. And that's the feeling. And Pressfield talks about it in his book. And it's a powerful book. And he goes, and you sit there going, and you know, and he says, come on. He says, Shakespeare didn't write that stuff. 
Shakespeare couldn't have written that stuff. Mozart didn't write that stuff. He says, we all know it came from the divine. He says, but they, he says what they did do was they showed up. <laughs> and he says, and you realize it isn't you writing the stuff. It isn't you painting the stuff. It isn't you singing the stuff. It isn't you. It's the divine. It's the, the divine part of you that does it. But you get to go there. The only way you get to go is to go there every day. Like, you know, Hemingway says, if I don't show up, I get pissed. And all of a sudden he shuts <laughs> down. He's not going to give me the stuff. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much for spending this, what is here at Crummy Sunday. How's it out there in Nebraska? You know, it's actually going to be, you know, 75 today, which is quite unusual for wow. this time of year. So we're going to have a great. nice day. That's fantastic. Well, I had a blast with you, and, uh, you know, this will be out there, so please share it with your friends. I think you'll get a real kick out of it, those who are you are on your path. Share it with the, you know, the, the group that you're with right now, and uh, I think, it, you know, you're doing a great service by promoting what they're doing and, and helping each other out along the path. I sure will, and can hardly wait till our next uh, chance to connect. Fantastic, Linda. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're still with us, and I hope you are because this was a great one, uh, tons of lessons. And um, thank you for joining us. Until the next time, Linda, we'll see you. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.